You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Well, hello, everybody, and thanks for joining us again, once again, here at Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, here on Let's Talk Pets on Pet Life Radio, where I am here for you. I am here to answer your questions about your pets, and you can reach us one of two ways. Either send me a, a quick email to drjeff at petliferadio.com, or easier, 877-385-8882, and we're here to answer your questions about your pets. Dogs and cats are my my favorites. However, if you have a question about anything, ask it. We'll go ahead. I will get to an answer and we'll talk about it next week on our show. We're here every Thursday, uh, 1 p.m. Pacific time, 4 p.m. Eastern time. And um, I want to thank our sponsors, ProSense Pet Products and Walmart. And ProSense is a line of pet products geared to the consumer by the vet, but for the consumer. So the only place you're going to get products of this quality would be from your veterinarian. But we wanted to bring you things that you can use and you can find conveniently at your local retailers. So before we get to the phones and questions, I, you know, I, I, we get emails to the show. Once again, you can drop me an email at drjeff at petliferadio.com. And this is spring. We're getting ready for summer in June. And um, this is the time that everybody seems to get reinterested in their homes, their lawns. They want to beautify their, their fertilizing. And um, you know, I love to share stories while you guys are getting the courage to call in at 877-385-8882 or send me an email at uh, drjeff at pet petliferadio.com, drjeff, petliferadio.com. And um, so we had this really cute little dog come in and was, it looked like he had injured his eye. His eye was literally just blotchy red, whether he fell or, or accidentally one of the kids were playing and he, he got kicked in the face, who knows, but that's kind of what it looked like. So we started treating the eye. Fortunately, we did an eye stain that was negative, which means there was no corneal damage and it didn't look that bad. The dog was acting really fine otherwise. So we figured it was a simple eye problem. One thing the owner noticed and mentioned is that she thought that her dog, this is squeaky, little female, was having trouble urinating. And when he urinated, she urinated, it seemed a little bloody. Well, we had Squeaky in the hospital overnight and treating the eye, checking her out. Everything seemed fine. And when she urinated for us, sure enough, she had some blood in the urine. Well, of course, we wanted to do an ultrasound and get some urine collection. We were hopefully to catch a urine sample to send it off for urinalysis. Does she have bladder stones? Does she have a really bad bladder infection? And what we noticed on the belly was what we call bruising, ecchymosis. And then we took a better, another look at her eye, and the other eye started to have this red appearance. And looking at her gums, which not only started to look a little pale, but started to show what we call petechiation, kind of like little red polka dots. So now we're thinking something else is going on here. We did a quick blood test, and her PCV, packed cell volume, was getting a little low. Still, in the, it was okay, but it was a little low. And her platelets were normal. And I'm looking at this poor dog. And I'm thinking, hmm, we have bleeding going on, we have bruising, we have petechiation, and a dropping pack cell volume. And I'm thinking, well, we have, oh, with normal platelets, and I'm thinking, you know what, we have a rat poison dog. And I said to my associate, you need to call the owner right now and ask her, is there any way, shape, or form that 
we ended up having rat poison put down on the lawn by the gardener. And sure enough, as was the case, we had a problem. And they had put down rat poison. And this is a real problem. So we obviously started treating from a injury to a severe, potentially life-threatening toxin, given the fact that this is a small dog. Now, one point thing I need to point out, that when we have a dog who ingests rat poison, it's not only them ingesting the rat poison directly, but if you have a dog, a little terrier, or a dog who's a ratter, who is known to want to chase and go after possums and rats and mice and other rodents, if they would happen to catch a rodent that itself was killed because of the rat poison, then they have enough rat poison in their system that if a dog eats or munches on such a mouse or rat or rodent, then they too can become toxic from the rat poison. So it's really, really dangerous. So sure enough, in fact, right now, this little squeaky is doing great. We did a blood transfusion and uh, getting the blood right now, the Paxil volume. Was, oh, just so you know how fast it can drop. The normal for what we call a PCV, a packed cell volume, that's the percent of cells. When you draw blood, the percent of the blood is cells versus the percent that is fluid or serum. Should be around 37 to 55%. So a little less than half on average is going to be cells and the rest is going to be serum. 25 is where Squeaky was yesterday and today Squeaky was 13. That's like incompatible with life. It's getting so low, which means we had to transfuse. And we're doing now, we're treating with vitamin K. But the point is here, you need to be very careful, everybody, that your gardeners know that you have pets. And before they put down snail bait, rat poison, any chemicals on your lawn, or any type of rodenticide or insecticide around your premises, then you need to know that it's so important to let them tell you that they are going to do it so you can keep your pets safely indoors. So we have a caller. Caller's on now. Hi, you're with live with Dr. Jeff on Ask the Vets with Dr. Oh, Dr. Jeff. And who's this? Hi, hi Dr. Jeff. How this are you? Who is Shelley this? Shelly of Los Angeles. Hi, Shelly. And what can I do for you? Well, this is my question. I can't figure this out. I have a small dog, and he's grown up with this rather large cat. And... <laughs> I know that cats have certain, you know, things that they do. Like if you tickle them by their tail, they raise their butt up. I don't Correct. know why they do that, but they do that. My dog does the same thing. Why is that? All right. So it's, it's a boy dog. Yes. Right? Because he's a male. So first of all, cats do it. And uh, usually more so if you think you're, I would imagine your spade, is it a spade female or a male, your cat? They're both males. Both males. Well, first of all, they enjoy it. And when you start rubbing their back ends, in fact, one way when you have a female cat, and this is before she's spayed, and you rub their butt end during that special time of season, oh my God, they're going to be throwing up their butt in the air. They're going to be moving the tail to the side and basically saying to the male, come and get me. Female dogs that are in season will do the same thing. When other dogs do it or cats do it, especially males, they love the feeling. They love to get scratched in the butt end and they will just, it's almost like an endearing behavior. So they're in essence telling you, rub me more, rub me more. I love that. 
And when they are doing that, that's one thing you should do is keep it up. Now, just sometimes animals that have skin problems will sort of, they'll twist and turn and they'll arch their back when you hit that spot. Sometimes they'll take one of their back legs and start lifting their leg and scratching. Then you know you have a dog or a cat that might be having some sign of allergy, some skin problem, and that might need to be addressed by your veterinarian. But if they are, everything else is fine, they're not scratching otherwise, you're not seeing dry skin, you're not seeing any scabs or irritation or sores, and just when you hit that spot, they throw their butt up in the air, that's just making them feel good. So congratulations, you are doing what it is to, to make them feel good. And, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. Now, I know that cats do this. Why does the dog do that? Or is it S- same thing from the, with the cat and learned it? It's a possibility, but a lot of times if my dogs too, they'll more so than not, when my dogs will do, when you hit the spot, they will arch their back and just almost get this expression of, oh my God, that feels so good. They like it. And again, I would just, the only thing I rule out is a skin issue. But if there's no skin issue, and then, and especially it's a male, if it was a female, and she, was, she would often exhibit other signs of being in heat, uh, especially twice a year, every seven months, then I would say that when she was spayed, there may have been some ovarian tissue left behind, and at certain times of the, of the season, she will exhibit that behavior, you scratch her butt, she throws that butt up in the air, but in a male, obviously that's extremely unlikely, so therefore, or I would say insofar as impossible, so um, I would say he just likes it. He thinks it feels good, and as long as it's no sweat off your back, if you know he feels good and he loves it, then keep doing it. Great. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening. And tell your friends that if they have any uh, pets and they want to get some free advice here on Pet Life Radio to give us a call, just like you did, 877-385-8882. And you said you're from Los Angeles. I hope you are, as I am, enjoying our gorgeous weather. Oh, certainly am. Thank you, yes, Dr. Good. Jeff. Bye-bye. Thank you, Shelly. Nice talking. Thanks for calling in. So, so you see, Shelly just called everybody. That means uh, it's, that's how easy it is. Pick up the phone or send me an email to Dr. Jeff, drjeff at PetLifeRadio.com. So having talked about this story with Squeaky and the rat poison, I brought along with me a list of common household poisons that everybody really should know about. We touched on the pesticides. So when you have any kind of exterminator company that comes to your house on a regular basis, make sure that they know that you have pets. And a lot of times, be really, very careful when you buy things, like you buy the ant spray or you buy the roach spray or whatever it is that you're going to buy, the flea spray. Understand, even garden pesticides and, and weed killers, make sure they are kept out of your pet's reach because they could be deadly. Other things, antifreeze. Now, any older antifreeze, believe it or not, has propylene glycol, which have a very sweet taste. Actually, the rules have been changed more recently. And... Interestingly, by a young girl, I think at the time she was 11, when her dog was poisoned by licking the antifreeze dripping from underneath a car radiator. And I think the dog passed away, and she was so shocked that anybody could make, could manufacture a deadly chemical that had a sweet taste. And it does. It did. So she started petitions and lobby that ultimately became law that the manufacturers of antifreeze had to add bitters into their formulation so it would be objectionable to dogs and cats. But anything that's old on the market, it is very deadly. 
So you want to be careful. Certain household and garden plants can be dangerous. Aconite, azaleas, belladonna, buckeye, foxgloves, hyacinth, ivy, many lilies, nightshade, tulips are all potentially toxic. And the symptoms can range anywhere from vomiting and diarrhea, oral irritation, meaning irritation around the mouth or swelling around the mouth and throat, increased drooling, excessive thirst, increased heart rate. You know, many of our drugs, you know, as you know, come from chemicals. So, and many of our poisons come from natural chemicals. A lot of our flea products, the pyrethrins, actually come from chrysanthemum. Some of our heart medications come from, uh, from plants as well. So, you have to be very careful because some of these, not only sometimes harmless, sometimes even helpful plants, when they are in large quantity, can be very, very toxic. So, keep that in mind. Poinsettias, I think, are overblown. Uh, Poinsettias, a dog would have to eat a bushel full to suffer any negative side effects. But many of the plants, check with your veterinarian, go online to make sure that these things are safe. We're going to get to a few others in a minute. I want to take a quick break. I want to thank our sponsors, notably our ProSense pet products, ProSense products that are veterinary endorsed, veterinary formulated, but available to you over-the-counter, and you can find them at some of your local retailers uh, and look for specials online at walmart.com, for example. You can find them at Walgreens, at Target, but ProSense Pet Products, look for them, and also Walmart. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in a few minutes. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Dog Shelter Blues, the new novel by Mark Conkling. This hard-hitting story lights up the world of animal rescue with engaging characters and their pets, struggling with their own internal demons as they attempt to rescue innocent creatures that sometimes bring a mysterious transforming power to broken lives. Read the first chapter of Dog Shelter Blues free at dogshelterblues.com. Then come along a breathtaking journey that ends with an astonishing triumph of good over evil. Order your copy of Dog Shelter Blues today. Available at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Are you crazy about cats? If so, check out The World is Your Litter Box, Deluxe Edition. This clever how-to manual for cats, written by a cat named Quasi, contains more laughs than should be allowable in one book, and is poignantly underscored by the combative yet loving relationship between Quasi and his human. The World is Your Litter Box, Deluxe Edition, is guaranteed to have you laughing your tail off. So, treat yourself to a copy today, available from Amazon. 
Welcome to Sassy Seniors, a show about our fabulous older dogs and cats. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson. You know, I wanted to create a show to really showcase our senior pets. And you know, as a human population ages and lives longer, of course, so are our wonderful pets. But many of us with aging pets, it's so interesting. We have a tough time realizing or really admitting that they are seniors. So in a way, I kind of like to think of our senior pets as, as wise puppies. What do you think about that? Be sure to join us for another edition of Sassy Seniors. And remember, celebrate your senior pets. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on PetLifeRadio.com. And we are talking pets. And uh, we're talking about some toxins and household poisons that we need to be aware of as I'm treating little Squeaky for rat poison. But we have a caller. So, hello. Who's on the line? Hi. Hi. Who's this? My name is Deborah. Oh, hello there. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? I'm doing well. What can I do for you? I have a question. Sure. Um, for dogs. Is it safe to give them vegetables like carrots and like broccoli? Great question. And the answer is yes, but it all depends on the vegetable. We've got to remember one thing. First of all, carrots are great. Fruit like apples are great, but no skin. Broccoli is great. As you get to really leafy vegetables, however, things like beans, things like lettuce, celery, dogs don't have the same type of cellulase that we have that is used in the digestive process to break down these leafy vegetables. So they're not harmless at all, but they also are not digestible. So if they're chopped up into very small pieces, they're fine. But you might notice that you're going to see these small pieces coming out in the dog's stool. Whereas if they eat like large pieces of lettuce or celery, they might throw them up, not because they're poisonous, not because they're dangerous, but they have no way of really breaking them down. But other vegetables like potato, like uh, green peas, like carrots you mentioned, broccoli, cauliflower, things that don't need that type of cellulase to break them down are actually really good. In fact, I recommend using carrots as little dog treats or little pieces of cut up apple as little dog treats because they do very well. Now, as far as fruits are concerned, uh, whereas we all used to use grapes and feed grapes indiscriminately, we have now learned that there are some dogs that have a very bizarre idiosyncratic reaction to the grape skins and some of the prostanthiodines in the grape skins and therefore causing severe kidney damage. And therefore, we recommend to eliminate grapes, even as treats, or even if you knew your dog has been fine in the past, let's not take chances because we just don't know enough about it. So to be safe, we're now recommending no raisins, no grapes for our dogs. Now, I'm glad you called because and talked about vegetables because one of the vegetables on my list of potential dangers are onions and garlic. And it seems that raw onions and raw garlic can be toxic to dogs because they have something in their cells, it's called thiosulfate, that actually can cause a rupture, a breakdown of red blood cells, ultimately causing anemia. And 
for example, a lot of baby foods, you know, veterinary hospitals love to feed dogs and mostly puppies and kittens that are recuperating from disease, that aren't really eating much hard food, and sometimes don't even like their puppy or kitten food, we love to feed them baby food. In fact, I should have brought stock in some of the baby food companies. But one of the baby food companies, though not anymore, had onion powder in their food, and it was potentially causing problems. They really, it's so funny, they took it out not because of the potential danger to babies. They took it out because they found that veterinary hospitals were using their food galore to feed puppies and kittens, and it was dangerous. So they now have removed onion powder from their food. So uh, we felt pretty good about that, actually, because I can't imagine that we want our little babies to be eating onion powder anyway. So uh, so onion and garlic is a no-no, as, of course, I did mention the raisins and grapes. And let me give you one more, one more vegetable that is interesting because it's a definitely a volume-related problem, and that's avocado. And, you know, it's funny. When we started talking about avocados, you know, being a poisonous, it's actually a fruit, not a vegetable because it does, it does grow on trees, but everybody considers it often a vegetable, but it's a fruit. But if you have high amounts of avocado – it actually can cause some heart muscle issues. It could damage the lungs. It can cause some difficulty breathing. Also, there's a high fat content around avocados, and therefore, in too high a dose, can cause pancreatitis. Now, what's interesting is there is a food on the market, I'm sure you've all heard it, called Avoderm, and people say, wait a second, doc, you're telling us that avocados potentially are toxic, and there's a food on the market that's got avocados in it, and it's because it's all, you know, a small amount could be good, a normal amount is okay. You get to an excessive amount, it could be poisonous. Take two aspirin, you could be fine. Take 10 aspirin, you can kill yourself. So, you know, we just understand that a lot of these things have a, an upper level, we call it an LD50. And sadly, it's not something you really want to promote. But for FDA approval, and the, a lot of these medications have to know what the LD50 is. And that is the dose at which 50% of the Animals tested are going to die or get very sick. So that's the dose. Obviously, we don't want to ever approach that dose. That's called the LD50. So we need to be careful. Avocados, low amount, small amount, actually can have a beneficial effect because of the fats, because of the omega-3s, because it's great for skin and coat. But be very, very careful. My recommendation would be to not feed your pets avocado. Anyway, I hope that helped. Any other uh, food questions you want to ask while I have you on the line? I do have another food question. Go ahead. When I make green salad with romaine lettuce. My dogs go crazy. I have, I do pet rescue, so I, uh, I've rescued a few dogs. I have Labradors and I have a pit bull mix, which I don't okay. know what she's mixed with. And they go crazy when I'm cutting up romaine lettuce. Is that safe for them to eat? All right, so I'll give you this question. I'll ask you a question. I'm going to answer your question with a question. First of all, do they like it? You answered yes. Does it ever make them vomit? Obviously, no, or else you wouldn't be doing it anymore, correct? No. So there's yeah. your answer. So, and I, and I say this to people you know, all the time. People often ask me because they go to a pet store and they want to buy a particular food or they're talking to these, you know, I, I think I made this point on the show before, and some young kid comes over to you and asks you, what are you feeding? You tell them, they go, oh, my God. You don't want to feed that. Oh, they make that with all these fillers and all these additives, and, and you need to switch to this. And I say this. I say, first of all, ask yourself, does your dog like what you're feeding him? And the answer is yes. Does he have a lot of energy? Yes. Is his coat nice and shiny? Yes. Yeah. Does he have normal stools? And you say yes. So why change? 
right? You answered yes to all the right questions. Yeah, when you have something nice that they like, they're doing fine on it, they have a nice coat, they have energy, don't change because some young high schooler at a pet shop told you that what you're feeding isn't good. Because obviously for your dog, it's just fine. And I think you're running to more questions. All right. So thanks for calling. Good. Thank Thank you you for calling. And if you have any other questions, you you know how to reach me every Thursday. We're here. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. So real quick, I want to, I guess, get back because we are running out of time soon. So other lists, uh, other um, items, household items on my list. Alcohol. Believe it or not, even though I used to have a Labrador that used to come when I was in Berkeley, I had a lab with me. That was Thor. And when I used to go to parties, of course, he was, he was my sidekick. He'd follow me around everywhere. And I would watch this dog drink beer. And once he actually, he liked it. He liked beer. And once he actually it seemed like he got tipsy from drinking beer. I know better now because even a small amount of beer can cause intoxication. But the alcohol poisoning is um, not just from alcoholic beverages, but also things that can ferment. For example, raw bread dough, fermented yeast. All right. So if you have some fermented yeast of dough, it can cause alcohol poisoning, but also can inside the belly can cause bloat because what happens is as the yeast ferments, the side the end product is gas, release of gas, and that can cause intestinal rupture. So dogs can vomit, diarrhea, become disoriented. I mean, of course, they'd have to drink or eat a substantial amount, but I'd be really careful. If you're if you're a bread maker and you got you know you want to sit and let the dough rise, so you put a towel over it or something and it's in a bowl, make sure you keep your dog away from it because if they ingest it, that could be very dangerous. And lastly, on the list, you know, we covered a great raisin grapes, the pesticides, the household and, and weed killers, avocado in our last call. But another very, very dangerous ingredient that's in many sugarless products like sugarless gum is xylitol. And you can find it in many products that you can take, and dogs like it because it is sweet. It's an artificial sweetener, and it's in sugarless candy. It's in sugarless gum, and it definitely is a potential deadly toxin to dogs. And it does because it causes their own blood sugar to drop rapidly. And symptoms include fatigue, staggering, irregular heart, breathing issues, seizures, coma, and even death. And dogs are, again, it's sweet. So if you have that pack of sugarless gum, make sure you keep it away from your dogs. And if you find, if you get home and you see the gum wrappers around and you suspect even possibly that your dog got a hold of sugarless candy or sugarless gum, you want to get them in the car and immediately, immediately head for your veterinarian. That could be a lifesaver. So anyway, I want to thank our callers, those two that uh, had the, uh, the courage to give us a call, ask their questions online. I'll be here next week on Thursday at 1 o'clock Pacific Time, 4 o'clock Eastern Time. You can send me questions during the week to Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. That's drjeffpetliferadio.com or reach us at 877-385-8882. Thanks again to ProSense, Walmart, and we'll see you next week. I'm Dr. Jeff Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.